From the Gospel according to Matthew, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now a reading from the Gospel according to John. Thomas said to Jesus, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, I have been with you all this time, Philip, and still you do not know me. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in, is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because the world neither sees, it, sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you, and he will be in you. The word of the Lord. One Sunday, there was a pastor in a church who was preaching through the Beatitudes just as we are, and he came to the sixth Beatitude just as we have, and it was also his turn to present the children's story. So he called all of the kids to come forward to the steps, and they assembled there in front of him. And he started off by asking a question, as we often do. He said, kids, tell me, where is your heart? And all the little kids took their hand and they put it over their heart, except for one little boy. And he put his hand right here. And so the pastor thought, well, maybe he wasn't paying attention. Sometimes kids are squirrely and they're not paying attention, or maybe he didn't quite understand the question. So he said again, well, let me just ask you one more time. Tell me where your heart is. So all the kids took their hands and they put them right here, except that one little boy again took his hand and he put it right here. And so the pastor thought, wow, we have a problem. And so he asked the little boy, he said, son, will you tell me about your heart? The little boy said, well, said, all I know is that every time grandma comes over to the house, she pats me right here and says, bless your little heart. Amen. You know, I'm tempted to say that's pretty much all I got for you. Let's go eat hamburgers. I don't know. <laughs> We're talking about our hearts 
today because Jesus talked about the heart, the human heart, your heart, my heart, our hearts. And we're thinking about that sixth beatitude, that sixth blessing, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Doesn't that sound magnificent? Isn't that a beautiful sentiment? You could say it over and over again to yourself. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. But what did Jesus mean? What does it mean to be pure in your heart? This is one of those sayings of the Savior that is like a many-faceted jewel. Dallas Willard says that purity of heart is talking about those folks who want perfection, who expect perfection, not only in others, but also in themselves. And we know what Jesus is talking about. We love perfection, don't it? We, we, we love to hear a perfect musical performance. We love to eat a perfect bowl of ice cream. We love perfection. And the problem is that perfection is impossible to achieve. We certainly do not get it from the people who are around us, and every perfectionist knows, unless they're a narcissist, that perfection does not exist in them. And so sometimes the perfectionist is ultimately most frustrated with himself. Jesus says, blessed are the perfectionists who are never satisfied, because one day they will see and know perfection. They will know God. I agree with Dallas. That's one of the things that Jesus meant. But there's more to it than that. Most other places in Scripture, when we hear the discussion about the purity of the heart, what we're discussing is our need, our desire, our call from God to be pure in our hearts. And we begin to think about all the impurity that's there. <laughs> That's why we have a prayer of confession from the very get-go after we've said, God, hi, we're here to worship you. You're fantastic. We're not. We are not pure in our hearts or in anything else that flows from out of our hearts. We know that we are not, as Dale Bruner would say, centered completely on God. That's what purity of heart is, to be centered on God. Douglas Hare says that purity of heart is not so much talking about our actions, which we know are often corrupt, but it's talking about our allegiances, our unalloyed, uncorrupted allegiance to God. Hare says that being pure in heart is being single-minded, not being double-minded, and Kierkegaard, I think, says it best. He says that purity of heart is to will one thing. How many of us can focus on just one thing? Truth be told, there is not a single one of us in the room right now who is focusing on just one 
thing. As much as I would like to think that you are all focused on me (laughs) and what I am saying, the truth is that some of you are also wondering who's winning the tennis match and who's going to win the golf tournament and whether you're going to be first in line for your hamburger or whatever it is that you're also thinking about in your life right now. That single-minded focus, the 100% focus is impossible for us to achieve, but that's what purity of heart is about, to will one thing. Jesus says, blessed are those who are focused. Blessed are those who are pure in their allegiance, in their desire. They will see God. We have to ask some questions about that because we know that we can't get there. We know that we don't get there. Where does this purity of heart come from? Or, if we're going to express that in pure grammar, we should say, from where does the purity of heart come? How many of you got what I just did there? We've got a few pure grammatical folks here in the room. This is good. Yeah, this is excellent, excellent, right? Where does our heart come from? That's leaving a dangling participle, isn't it? You cannot dangle your participles. Dad, gummit, don't dangle your participles. From where does our purity of heart come? See, the participle wasn't left dangling. It was tucked there in the sentence. My ninth grade grammar teacher ruined me for life in that way. From where does our purity of heart come? It comes from God. For those of you who were giving me your focus and attention a few weeks ago, we talked about the fact that all of the Beatitudes, all of the blessings are first and foremost not about God's expectations that we must fulfill in order for God to love us, but they are first and foremost about God's gift of grace to us. God is gracious to us and is with us even when we are grieving, even when we are hurting, even when we can't see God, even when we aren't very religious. God is gracious to us and God is the one who gives the purity of heart. Let us never forget that because it's so easy to turn the Beatitudes into burdens. Oh my heavens, I must have a pure heart. How am I going to get a pure heart? I know it's not, but God, hang on just a second. I'll get there. We know that we can't. We cannot generate our own purity of heart. It is a gift from God. It's a gift because God doesn't have to give it to us. God chooses to give it to us. It's a gift that God must give continually and God will, and so we must ask continually for it because it's so easy to become distracted. Squirrel, Some of you saw the movie, others of you didn't. It's okay. You know how a dog is so easily distracted? A squirrel runs by. The dog runs off after the squirrel. That's the way we are. We're so easily distracted. And so we always must ask. We almost have to say to God, God, I can't do this ever. Have you ever tried to focus on God perfectly, continuously for an hour or so? Don't even try an hour. Try a minute, perhaps. That's hard enough. 
So we ask God to give us the gift of a pure heart, and just like God gives us the gift of His presence, when we are grieving, when we are hurting, when we are lost, God will give us the gift of the purity of our hearts, our single-minded focus on Him. And then we have to do something about it. We're invited to do something about it. We're called to do something about it. And that's why we wanted to look today at the story of Jesus as He is visiting with His disciples, as He is preparing them for His departure. Let's look at Thomas and Philip. Jesus is saying to the disciples that He is getting ready to go away, and they have some questions about that. Thomas says, Jesus we don't know the way to God. How can we know the way? You're our leader, now you're going away. How are we going to know where to go? Philip asks essentially the same question just a bit later. Philip says, Jesus, show us the Father. We need to see God. Without you here, we've got to have God with us. Jesus says to Thomas, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. He says to Philip, I'm going away, but I'm coming back. The Spirit of the living God is coming back. That's why we're celebrating Pentecost today, to remember that the Spirit was given to us. The Spirit came to be with us, and the Spirit has never left Maybe we've been distracted. Maybe we have been double-minded. Maybe we have looked for the Spirit of God in other places, but the Spirit has never left. In the second chapter of Acts, we read that when the day of Pentecost had come, the disciples were gathered together to celebrate that ancient Jewish holiday. It was called Pentecost. They were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each one of them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. All of them had the Spirit of God that they had experienced so personally and powerfully in Jesus, and now it was in them. The Spirit of the living God that is with us is the Spirit of the living Christ who lives again and lives always. The Spirit of truth, the Spirit that teaches us what reality is. The Spirit that helps us to see and know and confess and believe and trust Jesus and His way and His truth and His life. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. To see God, you look at Jesus. Now, some folks want to argue about what Jesus said. That's okay. I love to argue about what Jesus said. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And we want to say, but wait a minute, Jesus, what about folks that never met you? 
What about folks that believe in different gods, different ways? And we have to say, you know, we know that Jesus is the way. There may be other ways. We're not God. God is up to the task, though. God is up to the challenge of dealing with all of the people that He's created. And so we leave it to God to be the final judge. All that we can say is what we know, that Jesus is the revelation of God. Jesus is the vision that we've been looking for all of our lives. When we see Jesus, we see God. When we know Jesus, we know God. When we follow Jesus, we follow God. When we hear Jesus, we hear God. It happens by the power of the Spirit that is a gift from God. Our response is to accept the gift, to use the gift, to allow the gift to fill us. And that involves our decision in some sense. That involves our will. That involves our waking up every day and living every moment saying, God, help me to be pure of heart. Give me that heart and then give me the will to seek that heart to know you and only you. And so what do you and I do? That's what I'm always interested in. What do you and I do with this? Well, we celebrate. We give thanks for the gift that God has given us, and then we say every day to God, God, give me that pure heart. Give me that single-minded focus on You, and help me to focus only and always on Jesus. Let's remember the blessing. We focus so often on the first part of the Beatitudes. Blessed are the pure in heart. And we stop right there and say, oh, my heavenly days, I know I'm not pure in heart. But let's look at the vision that Jesus gives us of what happens when God gives us that purity and when we seek it for ourselves. We get to see God. God doesn't have to open Himself to us. God doesn't have to tell us who He is or who we are or what's going on, but God has God does, and so we celebrate that. We pay attention to that. That's what this holiday celebrates. That's what this beatitude lifts up before us. That is the goal that we seek after in our lives. And that's why we can say that beatitude with great confidence and with great joy, always seeking out the mystery and meaning of what it is to be blessed in the purity of our hearts as we seek to see God. Amen. Amen.